Hey, Road to Nowhere fans. Uh, this episode of the podcast didn't work out quite as planned. The audio on my end was really garbled. So I'm re-recording some of the stuff I did, and I'm going to patch in some of the useful comments and, and other thoughtful things that Astrodar said throughout our conversation. So hopefully this will still be uh, an enjoyable episode for all y'all, but just want you to know it's not going to be entirely a typical episode. I'm your host, Joss Aru. My regular co-host, D-House, continues to be away on assignment. And like I said, I've got Astrodar, who had a great conversation with me, uh, talking about Season 12, Round 5 of Solo Champions League. Um, one of the fun things that was implemented by the League Commissioner, Innsmouth Bear, this season was a Secret Wars tournament between the Alliance. So... Alliances, so this was a single elimination tournament where, because of odd numbers, you know, sometimes the highest performing team that got eliminated, which still would still show up in the in the next round. Um, Astrodar and Matthew Noodles and I are Gamoron's alliance. We we actually managed to come out on top at the end of this this round, so we were we were really delighted. Uh, so let, let's just hear what Astrodar had to say about the. Secret Wars tournament. I really enjoyed this one, just kind of seeing that uh, semi head to head matchup. Uh, but it's, it's like you said, like I paid way more attention to who was actually in each alliance and uh, which rounds had me sweating. I, all of them had me sweating. But uh, like, like anytime we'd match up against someone that I'm like, oh, you always outperform me, uh, I'm like, you know, it just added a little bit of ang- nice anxiety to the round. So I hope I hope to see it return. Season twelve, round five. So let's go over what the details. The details are: we had Thanos with the Children of Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet, which that one's required, and then Doomsday Chair, which is Modok's uh, modular. The difficulty was expert. Our hero was Nebula. This was actually the first time that we've seen Nebula in the league, and the first time we've seen Thanos in the league. All five aspects, counting basic as an aspect, was uh, were represented, and the campaign elements were Cosmo Ally and Play and the Shwarma uh, resource card in your deck. Uh, just a reminder that this specific season was the people's choice, so people in season 11 got to vote for... I can't remember, three or four things each round. Um, they could vote for whatever they wanted. They could vote for an aspect or a hero or a villain or a modular. So I guess maybe it was four, four votes we had each round. And, and you didn't have to vote for one of one of each. So this means that Nebula was actually our highest vote getter among all the heroes. And let's, let's hear what Astrodar had to say in response to that. In hindsight, I wasn't. But when it first popped up, I actually just had this moment of panic because every time I see the word nebula, I sweat. And so realizing it was a hero, I was quite excited. I was like, well, we haven't, you know, we hadn't seen her uh, in the hero selection yet. So it didn't surprise me. A lot of people were excited for it and voted for her. But it was definitely wasn't what I was expecting to top out everything. Let's have a look at some of the scenario details in... A little bit more detail here. So first, uh, Astrodar is going to 
run us through Thanos, the Infinity Gauntlet, and Children of Thanos. Thanos was the scenario, obviously, which is inherently tied to Infinity Infinity Gauntlet. Um, and in case anyone has forgotten who Thanos was, you know, big bad guy that causes all the trouble. Uh, he his the villain himself is just a big hitter. Like starts out with the Infinity Gauntlet boosting him, so he's a four or five attack and expert. So either you know four and stage two, five and stage three, three scheme. He has ways to get lots of boost cards, ways to boost those stats some more. He's stalwart, so you're not stopping him from doing anything, and that means the Infinity Gauntlet will be triggering every time he activates. And then annoyingly, on top of that, he has tough when he uh, enters. The game is his encounter cards aren't terrible as a whole. You have a few pretty mild ones, give them some tough, uh, give them an extra boost card, and then a few that are pretty mean, like Avatar of Death, which is an extra activation with overkill and piercing. Uh, and then his he has two attachments that are guaranteed to come into the game. Uh, his helmet will give him retaliate and starts with a stage two. And then when stage three comes out, he'll bring out his armor, which is a damage reduction. So every bit of damage he takes, you reduce it by one. But as a whole, his kit or his cards themselves are fairly mild, except for, you know, Avatar of Death really just kind of taking the cake. Uh, so then you have the Infinity Gauntlet, right? It gives him those stat boosters. And then every time he activates, you will either be revealing a card from the infinity card deck or you will be triggering any uh, infinity stones that are out these are really kind of where he makes up for his encounter cards not being terrible because he's either forcing you to discard allies or supports adding extra threat confusing you stunning you all of that jazz and then tying to that you've got children of thanos which adds the three minions um, which all have terrible boost effects, cause you to, again, discard an upgrade or ally or support, or to just give them another boost card. And then side schemes with crisis icons that, by themselves, they're just adding to threat and the crisis icon, but then they deal you a bonus encounter card. So after Astrodar went through and, and gave an overview of Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and... Uh, the Children of Thanos. We discussed a little bit of Thanos being a villain with big power spikes. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, and some of it you can kind of see building, right? You get to see when those boost cards are dealt, because anytime the Infinity Stone deck runs out as well, he gets a boost card. So occasionally you see these things building up, and the real question is, when are those extra boost cards and things going to be revealed at an inopportune time you know when you need to flip down and just can't avoid it or when avatar of death pops out and you it just can really ruin your day it's like you said just these really big spikes and this brought up kind of this notion about you know avatar of death and i i was observing that i really wish it was an upgrade right this is an event that shows up and um is either an attack or a scheme and if it's an attack it gives overkill and piercing. And so this can just show up out of nowhere and you're, you really need to have your board ready to deal with this. And I, I contrasted that with, 
you know, I'm not a fan of Ronan, um, but Ronan's fanaticism is an attachment. You see it coming. You typically have time to prepare unless it shows up on a turn, and then you then you get attacked. And and so that design choice of having it just be Avatar of Death, just being an event that can that can hit you out of nowhere, um, is is you know feels pretty challenging as a player. Uh, this is what Astrodar had to say about that. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm the same. Like overkill, I think is a great uh, it's a great mechanism to have in the game. I actually really like it. I don't love it when it is a nothing you can avoid type thing. When you see it and can work around it, and it gives you a choice, I love that. When it's like, yeah, here's a boost card that put overkill on it or things like that. It's just it can lead to a lot of uh, negative play experiences. Overall. Both Astrodar and I both quite like Thanos, I think. Um, here's what he had to say about kind of the, the experience of getting snapped, which was a thing that a lot of people experienced this, this past round. Getting snapped. I don't know. There was, there was, it was fun to be snapped the first time playing through it. So the scenario itself was a great design as a whole. And that whole mechanic of as you move from the first stage to the second stage, losing half of your deck can really add some anxiety and like fun stress to the match. So, so, so I actually really enjoyed that. You know, not when it actually happened. I enjoyed it outside of Solo Champions League. Astrodar then went on to provide an overview of the Doomsday Chair modular. Yeah, speaking of power spikes, this one. Uh, so Doomsday Chair is from the core set. Right, this is the Modoc uh, uh, modular set, and so Modoc himself is an eight HP, two scheme, two attack vil- uh, minion with retaliate two. Now there are three ways that Modoc actually gets on the board: coming out himself, or he has a side scheme that has eight threat by itself, no matter what, and brings Modoc out if he's not out. So it can become an eight threat, eight HP minion has an acceleration icon it's just one of those really big power spikes uh and then he also has an attachment that can keep him on the board for if you defeat him you just get rid of the attachment and he re you know heals to full health and sticks around which is annoying also because the attachments surge no matter what so when the attachments come out if modok's already out you just got another 8 hp minion plus another encounter card so Doomsday Chair just really ha- had a lot of big spikes that it added to the scenario. We then discussed some of the challenges of the Doomsday Chair. Maybe it's not the most well-calibrated to solo experience with the the eight threat on the side scheme and MODOK kind of continuing to get pulled out over and over again. Uh, like I, I like modular sets where they're going to actually change and influence the game but this uh particular one because it's not really calibrated to adjust for solo becomes a a little less fun to see at solo point finally astrodar went on to describe the campaign elements and then you know had a few thoughts about how his use of cosmo ended up working out and then yeah we got to top this one off with uh some of the campaign elements, because we had Cosmo that started out, uh, which was super helpful just to have a Guardian that's guaranteed to be on the board 
and he's a two two three doesn't count against your ally limit. He was so he was like a really nice flexible bit. And then uh, we also had Shawarma in our decks, and that one was nice for you know getting out things like Gamora or big allies. I spent it a few times to clear those Thanos attachments just so I could hit the kickers right. Yeah, that was I'd almost always use him like I'd use him twice, almost guaranteed for threat. And then he would sit there for half the game until I was like, okay, I feel comfortable enough that I don't need a backup blocker or whatever. And then then I'd let him go. So I want to talk a little bit about Nebula as as a hero. And um, you know, she's got a great two 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 stat line. You know, she only has nine HP, it's pretty low, and she doesn't have any HP buffs in her kit. Thanos hits pretty hard, so that's a little bit of a, a tough thing with respect to to the matchup. Um, her kit really revolves around her at eight technique cards. These are one-cost upgrades that go off at the start of your turn. Um, they tend to be really efficient, but they have a delayed effect, right? The, the earliest they're going to go off kind of on their own is, is your next turn, and if you go to Alter Ego, they could take even longer. And she actually has a lot of incentive to flip to get card advantage because she has a alter ego ability cybernetics upgrade that gives her two cards when she plays a technique. Um, and then if she can build up a bigger board, then her lethal intent event actually is really powerful because this is um, an event where you pay one per one of your techniques that you want to trigger as a hero action. And so you can trigger a whole bunch of your techniques that you have down. So this could actually allow you to get, let's say weapons master, which is four damage when it goes off, you can trigger it once with lethal intent and then it'll go off once on its own, you know, at the start of your next hero turn. So although she doesn't have any really big attack cards in her, in her kit, you know, you can turn this one card into eight damage, for example. And, and we talked a little bit um, about the difference between solo and multiplayer experiences when when playing Nebula, because um, you know Nebula, Nebula, you're really in a solo situation. You're kind of waiting um, for the right problems to show up for the solutions that you have down. Whereas in multiplayer, uh, those problems are inevitably going to show up by the time your techniques go off. And it's one that's so much different multiplayer to solo. Because in multiplayer, you feel like, I mean, I'm playing these efficient cards. I'm going to be able to use them a couple times uh, with uh, once you have lethal intent. And you're like, I will always have something to use this on. But in solo, it really is a bit of a like, oh, well, what's well, coming up? And like, I hope this works, or I hope I don't get stunned or, before this goes off. Also discussed a little bit about Wide Stance um, as a card that really kind of makes her viable in solo. You know, the, this is the technique that ha has look at the top three cards of the encounter deck, discard one and put the others back in any order. This encounter deck manipulation is, is obviously super powerful, but you know, so many heroes are really restricted based on their aspect choices on being able to flip safely to alter ego with with so many of the main scheme threats being really low that wide stance 
really makes it so that Nebula is one of those heroes that actually has, she has to be opportunistic with it because you have to kind of wait till wide stance goes off. But but that can really be a huge game changer in solo play. Let's hear Astrodar's thoughts on that. Basically, that card itself, wide stance, really is what sells her package because you in solo because you can be able to set yourself up to have a safe turn set yourself up to be able to actually answer with what techniques you have upcoming or things like that and it it's a powerful ability in solo where you're actually looking at the full villain turn when you draw those cards moving on to having a discussion of how our season 12 round five games actually went unfortunately i got about one and a half games in realized i was playing the soul stone incorrectly and because i was doing it on the final day and these games were over an hour each i just didn't have time to start all over again and try to do it so i ended up not actually completing my round only astrodar and matthew noodles in in our alliance ended up completing the round which means that they're the ones who brought home the gold for us in the the secret wars uh, tournament but let's hear astrodar describe how his round went so mine ended up kind of going better than i expected initially because i started out wanting to pick protection to get that extra little bonus and because i love protection so i started into it with trying a few different types of builds and nothing was working like there just was not the damage that i needed in protection to really stay on top of things and so i got a little frustrated with nowhere because i was like you're just not drawing cards and the last you know last thing i think i'd played with was web of life and destiny where i was like that thing gave me so many cards why doesn't nowhere work like that and then i was like well i guess you know i can take the web of life of destiny so <laughs> i built a web warrior build for nebula and ran that which worked pretty well for me Uh, i only had one truly clean game got snapped on the other two but uh, my first one was totally clean wide stance just went to work for me i was able to avoid modok and the doomsday chair the entire game thanks to that card Uh, so that one was a 13 round clean game for me Second round, I got snapped, and Modoc came out, like, turn two. And then my third game, I got snapped. And that was actually, that was my most fun game. Uh, I had, I thought I had it locked down. Totally clean game. But then I had Modoc out. I was like, okay, I can end it this next turn. So I take out Modoc. Uh, with my deck, I was using Spider UK to control Modoc. So I would use Pinned Down. That's one that reduces the, it's a upgrade that reduces the minion's attack by two. So you put that on Modok and he does nothing. Uh, and then I would let him just smash himself against Nebula when she had Retaliate or Spider UK. Uh, I'd let him defend against it and just take no damage while reducing Modok's health. So on this one, I was like, okay, I can, I don't need to leave Modok out anymore because I wasn't worried about the Doomsday Chair coming out, I thought. Killed Modok, ready to finish the game. Two cards that turn were the Doomsday Chair, bringing Modok right back out, and Shadow of the Past. And so I was like, well, this game's done. Uh, I ended up flipping to AE uh, to let it, it got snapped, but I was like, there's just no way I could have survived. Uh, 
But because of that, I ended up with just a ton of her techniques out. Um, I ended up with two lethal intents and everything that I needed to pay for it. So I did 16 damage and 12 threat, which was like just like fun smacking out all of that damage and stuff. But uh, ended up pretty good. It was still a 15 round game that got snapped on. But it was it was fun playing a spider deck where they did all the heavy lifting. I thought it would be kind of rough initially since I didn't have the extra um I didn't have Warrior of the Great Web, which would because I'm not a spider myself. But I still ended up with I think five cards that could start the whole spider engine because you could get Spider UK out there, Warrior of the Great Web, Silk, any of those, and then they would actually allow you to start playing all the other spider stuff. After hearing a little bit about Astrodar's strategy of using a Web Warriors deck, um, I was asking about these Web Warriors synergies for non-Web Warriors heroes, and and you know noticing that there's there's a lot of cards in the Web Warriors that kind of get your get you that first Web Warrior down, and then the more powerful Web Warriors cards. Um, then can take advantage of the fact that you have Web Warriors down to actually trigger their effects. And this is what Astrodar had to say about that. Having that soft lock, I think, was a good way to handle a, you know, like not a full wave of Web Warrior stuff, just so that you could really tie it into a lot more things. Uh, makes it feel way more viable. And there's just there's a lot of fun cards in there. Like uh, for this particular one, like. You get uh, if you can get Spider and Peter Parker on the board at the same time, you can really do some work. So, because Spider's ability is that if she takes if she is defeated by excess damage, consequential damage, you get to take her back into your hand. Um, and she has one attack and two thwart, taking two damage on that thwart. So, if you get her down, she can attack once. Next time, she can thwart and come back into your hand. Peter's ability lets you ready another web warrior. So once you get these two on the board together, you can just really start cycling the two of them. And Warrior of the Great Web is giving you card draw. Spider's coming back into your hand. You're just like handling things. And so like there's a lot of fun stuff that I'm glad you can tie into these other heroes and use elsewhere. I was also curious about the use of Silk and if if he ever managed to trigger her, right? So Silk is the one that if you have a Web Warrior card in play, um, when you play her, you can go through the encounter deck and and remove, um, sorry, I can't remember if it's a treachery or just a card, but you know it's very powerful, but of course, all the pieces that have to get into play to make it so you can use her when you're a non-Web Warriors hero. So I was curious about that. Here's, here's what Astrodar had to comment on that. Uh, yeah, but she was a bit of a disappointment in the fact that, like, I'd be like, yes, Silk, I'm going to get rid of, and I'd flip through the deck and be like, oh, well, I still have, you know, lots of ways that he can scheme, I can get rid of an Avatar of Death, but there's another one, there's an advance, so, I don't know, it felt semi-good, but mostly it felt like I was just shuffling the deck. Let's look at the actual Season 12 Round 5 results. Uh, leadership ended up being the most popular aspect with 38% of the folks in the league actually picking leadership. Justice was second at 25%. 
aggression not far behind at 18%, and then basic just narrowly beat out protection from a popularity standpoint of 10% versus 9%. That's actually pretty high for basic on the high end. Basic kind of goes somewhere as low as about maybe 3% of the people picking and as high as about 10% of the people picking. So that this was definitely on the high end. In many ways, this is because most of the Guardians heroes, because they have access to those extremely powerful, efficient Guardians allies, which most of them are are basics, it tends to be quite viable to actually play Guardians in basic because of this. And so at first I was surprised to see so many folks playing basic, but in second thought, you know, the, the viability of Guardians in basic is just tends to be very, very high. Um, from performance perspective, leadership took the top uh, with a, only a 65% win rate, but an 80% approval rating on average. Uh, Justice had a 71% win rate, so higher than, than leadership, but not as high of an approval rating, so 73.4. This is in part because we saw Justice was quite a bit slower than leadership, you know, 13.9 turns versus 10.2 turns. Protection was the third most successful aspect at 74% win rate, so actually the highest win rate and a 66.0 approval rating. Um, part of this was coming from a slightly lower hero score, which is how much health you actually have on your side of the board at the end of the game. Basic was in fourth, so fourth most popular and fourth most successful at 62% win rate and 60.2 approval rating. And then way in the basement, poor old aggression at 47% win rate, so below half and 53.9 uh, approval rating, so quite a bit lower than, than everybody else. Another really interesting thing to observe is 49% of the reported games actually went to stage two on the main scheme. So almost half of the games, ironically, people got snapped. So, you know, most players experienced getting snapped as part of this. Um, his main scheme has a fairly high threat threshold of 12. However, the degree to which you need to flip back to Alter Ego with Nebula to heal, you know, it, it does happen a lot. And so if you flip and he pulls, a, you know, some sort of scheming card, it's it's pretty likely that it's going to, to go over because he's got so many really big um, multiple boost icon cards and his base stats are just just so, so high. Also worth noting the win rates by flight. Flight 1 had a 95% win rate, so we even saw a couple losses in Flight 1. You don't see a ton of losses in Flight 1 overall, so, um, but you know certainly Round 5 is, is the most likely place to see it. Flight 2 was 84%, and Flight 3 was 39%. All right, let's, let's have a check-in with kind of my... I think my favorite part of, of the podcast, which is you know, looking at the decks that other people were playing and handing out some deck awards. So, you know, the first the first deck award I have is more of an overall tech award that we saw lots of people do, but I just really thought these were great techs. So the Rocket Raccoon Tinkering Award for Most Clever Tech, I think was Groot. Uh, Groot has the ability to heal to after blocking. And Modok, who inevitably is coming out, um, has only two attack. So 
Groot can block and heal and just hold Modok at bay for the entire game. Let's hear what Astrodar has to say about my, my nomination for Groot as tech. I think it's perfect, especially because not only do you have him there to keep Modok at bay, he's not truly taking damage, so he can sit there with six health as a nice little buffer for when Avatar of Death pops out and you really need to get some extra block in there. There were a couple other techs that I also quite liked. You know, One of them was the Rocket Ally, who has one attack, but um, has three extra attack if he attacks a minion. He also has two threat, he or two thwart. He's pretty efficient ally. But if you give him a sidearm, which gives him another attack and ranged, when he would attack Modok, he would get around Modok's retaliate two and have five be able to do five damage. So Rocket with a sidearm was a pretty efficient way to deal with Modok, perhaps multiple times even. Another tech which is only available to protection, but it's one of the new cards that folks um are really playing, it seems, in the league, at least because we had protection in round uh, last run, I guess the previous round, round four. Um, pin down is the one that reduces a minion's attack by two, and so you put it on Modok, and he can't even attack. Um, so <laughs> let's let's hear uh, what protection booster Astrodar has to say about pin down. Yeah, I love Pinned Down. It's one of my new favorite cards. And here it just works so well because it lets you get some extra use out of Spider UK's health uh, with Spider Tingle because you could ping him a bunch knowing he's not going to be taking any damage from Modok while still just, you know, taking care of business and avoiding the retaliate. As a reminder, these awards are are things that we hand out to only to decks that folks first of all have shared so we can actually see what they're all about and and secondly these are folks who have finished in the top three of their relative choices in terms of overall performance so in this case it would be the top three leadership top three aggression top three protection etc so those are the ones that we're we're looking at and so the first actual award for a specific deck went to the uh, went for the Astrodar Pre-Memorial Award for Fewest Aspect Cards in an Aspect Deck. Ironically, Astrodar has yet to win this. This time he had a six-card, six-aspect card deck, and, and two folks in the league had five-card decks in terms of how many aspect cards they had. The first was Pezio, who was running an aggression deck with Angela and Bug and Throg boot camp, one energy spear. The strategy here was to get an energy spear for that good dog Cosmo and get that really efficient damage because uh, you've got the one attack, energy spear adds another two, so you've got three damage per turn. You can target the infinity gauntlet deck with Cosmo knowing what's going to be in there and so then Cosmo never takes any consequential damage and and you can just get in a whole bunch of really efficient damage that way. This also has piercing and there were definitely a few annoying situations where you had to deal with piercing and Nebula's really not that great at dealing with piercing so so that was also really fun. The other person who had a five card five aspect card deck was Gondo. Uh, our 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 friend and uh, semi-frequent guest host. 
and and Gondo was running protection. He was running a build that was very very similar to Astrodar's, kind of inspired by Astrodar's, and then tuned to his own tastes. And we saw you know protection cards in this deck were Silk, Spider UK, two copies of Pin Down, and Spider Tingle. So uh, those are those are the two folks that defeated Astrodar yet again at his own game. Uh, the next award is the Pietro Maximoff Irony Award for the slowest top performing deck. And this goes to Turkey Guy, another folk that, another person we've had on as a co-host here. And he um, had a remarkable 18 turn per game average. I think that's probably about where I was heading as well. So it's good to see somebody living in the slow camp like me. Uh, he had a 50 card deck. 11 allies, was using clear the area. Interestingly, did not have, it was Justice, uh, did not have under surveillance, but did have counterintelligence and also had Jack Flag, which is a, an ally we don't see a ton overall in in the league, I think. Um, this is one of those four cost allies. He's one attack, two thwart, three health. And he has a response that after he thwarts, you put an ammo counter on him. And then when you exhaust him, you remove an ammo counter and deal two damage to an enemy. So he kind of can have up to four activations before you want to send him to the the chump blocking facility. So, you know, he can be pretty efficient, but of course he's expensive. Um, so it's going to be a little bit prohibitive in solo champions that you don't really find. Uh, the Plan B award for the most surprisingly effective deck went to Devaresh, who had this remarkable Guardians of the Galaxy support deck. So Guardians of the Galaxy is um, a team card that's a support. You only have one in play, one team card in play at any time. And it says, if each of your characters has the Guardian trait, this card gains response. After you play an upgrade on an ally, draw one card. And Devaresh, Devaresh had 18 different ally upgrades, so we're playing leadership here. And remarkably, there was only seven allies. None of them were really chump blockers. We had you know folks like Groot and um, Drax, Rocket, Vivian, Yondu. Vivian's kind of the closest to chump blocker, and even Adam Warlock, which is a, an ally I, I really, really like, especially in situations where you can keep him alive for longer by buffing him up, you know, with things like the reinforced suit upgrade, which gives you an extra two hit points. Anyway, so there's a whole bunch of one cost upgrades for allies, and then even honorary Avenger, three cop or honorary Guardian, three copies of those. So uh, in terms of the return on the card draw, you can really get a lot going. I think this is a really fun strategy. I'm surprised it was as effective as it was. I actually tried the deck out, and I mean, I experienced that it. it was actually quite effective. But it's uh, it's not the normal way that folks tend to play the ally upgrade decks. Really, people tend to do Voltron, where they just have one or two allies that really make sense to put a lot of um, upgrades on. But here, here's what. Astrodar had to say about this kind of deck. Yeah, it was interesting to see because usually Voltron, what I would call a Voltron deck, is where you know you're piling a lot of upgrades on an ally, but usually only have like one, maybe two that targets. 
And to see him be able to do that whole spread is really cool. And there's good targets, because Yondu is classic, because he doesn't take the consequential damage for attacking. But Rocket was a really good choice this round, Drax, to really pile on damage on Thanos. And then Adam Warlock uh, is a really cool one, just because his ability is so strong, that and you can really work around it. So to see him, you know, you could build him up, get a lot of stuff done as you needed it. It's a really cool deck. The Curtis James Jackson III, aka 50 Cent Award for place placing with a 50 card deck, uh, went to a ton of people. A lot of people actually played 50 card decks or 49 card decks. We saw a lot of really large ones this this round because um, people were anticipating getting snapped, and you know losing half your deck if you have 50 is means you're going to have more cards around than if you only have 40 especially considering there's going to be upgrades in play and stuff like that so the size of your deck that you're actually cycling through is is can be quite a bit bigger for 50 versus 40 but i'll i'll highlight uh demean and atrix nine ninth of their name um who had a kind of a somewhat similar deck to devarash um that was focusing on guardian support but also had you know, not quite as many ally upgrades, but had Blaze of Glory and Go All Out as a cool combo. So Go All Out is a leadership event that allows you to combine. You, you have to exhaust your hero, and then you get to add your attack, thwart, and defense together in terms of how much damage you get. Blaze of Glory is adding quite a bit more stats to your hero, so that that combination of those two makes very efficient damage overall from from Go All Out. So that's a fun combo to to include in this. Um, and then finally, we have our unawarded New Mutant Award for the top score in the training grounds because the training grounds got completely emptied out, other than than two folks because the number of experience points that you need to earn to make it out of training grounds is approximately equal to how many you would typically earn across one season. So in this final round, we saw most of the folks in training grounds get bumped into their new respective flights, and we just had a couple of folks that were, were still left in the training grounds. So I'll just take another few minutes to go through the different aspect decks that I haven't quite mentioned yet. So in leadership, um, a name that's becoming kind of increasingly common and someone that definitely participates in a lot of the fun deck discussion chats is Jarrett, uh, finished top of leadership, had a regroup deck with command team and an 11 allies. Devarash, who we already mentioned, came in second. Dominion Atrix, nine, ninth of their name, came in third. And uh, our alliance mate, Matthew Noodles, came in fourth. I just mentioned that just to give him a shout out. I don't usually talk about the fourth unless it's co-hosts or, or stuff like that. Um, in Justice, we already mentioned Turkey Guy. He got first. Zero Seed, now that I know how to pronounce that correctly, got second. Zero Seed... Uh, in contrast to Turkey Guy, actually did use under surveillance, but didn't use counter intelligence. Astrodar and I were both, uh, you know, we both quite like justice, and we were just talking about the, you know, 
especially in solo champions league it you're putting the under surveillance van in your deck and you're putting counterintelligence in your deck and it's kind of almost automatic that those are going to be in there because that's those are the things that are going to really facilitate you being able to flip and or just not get you know having your feelings hurt by a surprise advance uh, in third place for justice was urab 09, ninth of their name, who just happens to be the primary maintainer of the Octagon Marvel Champions mod. So it's great to see that they're in the league, but you know, and and also doing all that really awesome work for the community, keeping that mod going. In protection, the top deck was UNC Dave, who did not actually get a chance to hear from them. Second was Astrodar, and third was Gondo. So those were the two Web Warriors builds. And Astrodar really could have said after futzing around for a while with some different protection stuff that the Web Warriors one was just the one that made the most sense. So, you know, um, it's kind of neat to see both him and Gondo were, were pretty successful with those. Finally, we have the basic. Um, Fang Thane, very, very common name that we talk about in terms of top performers, was the top, top overall in, in basic and in that they had a nine turn average and then kind of 100, 199 in terms of so like the amount of threat left, the amount of villain health left, or villain side health left, and then you know, just, just a little bit off the max for the amount of hero health. So very respectable score with basic and actually, you know, the just kind of the raw scores outperforms a lot of the other aspects. So kind of remarkable with, with basic. Uh, Spartacus N7, seventh of their name, got second with basic and then board game lawyer, um, a name that's starting to, to pop up in, in some of these discussions had a amazing 14 allies so this is the the most allies that i saw of any of the decks that got shared from from these folks um just just a ton of of allies here also include meditation as a way to help get out the allies plus of course to the power in all of us and and a helicarrier and you know the thing that's really neat about some of the allies, you know, we've got Snowguard and Professor X, Nick Fury, Heimdall, all sorts of Dum uh, Dum Dugan. So all sorts of ones that are, you know, what do I need to do right now? Um, you know, I bet I've got an ally for that. The only thing I would observe about this deck is that I was surprised to see it didn't actually have Nowhere in it. Because Nowhere increases your ally limit to four. It's a if you're a, um, a guardian, and um, kind of like an easy way to get that ally limit increased and when you're playing 14 allies it feels like the kind of thing where you're going to be bumping up against the ally limit especially when you start the game with one but you know board game lawyer did did great overall so who am i to question those choices finally we here from aggression uh, so aggression had finishing in top was pezio which was the you know giving the dog a spear deck which i already mentioned previously uh, somebody we also discussed last week and deliti um, from shadows of the future alliance had um, a deck with you know only seven allies right i 
this was a for me this was a, a scenario where I, I wanted a lot of allies because I just wanted to be able to throw people in front <laughs> front of Thanos so he wouldn't hurt him hurt me but um, so Endelidi had only seven allies altogether but had Wolverine and and attack training which is a, just an awesome combo right Wolverine has the three attack he heals one damage per turn so you can without doing anything else you can attack every other turn and he just stays alive attack training gives him another attack and two more hit points so now he's attacking four per turn and you're giving him an extra round of attacking he, he takes two consequential on his attacks which is why i was saying every other round but you know if you can get him down early he can just be one of your primary sources of damage for the game and then finally uh third place in aggression was prey for mojo 2 second of their name um, and I didn't manage to get a, a deck from that. So that was a, that was our overall deck discussion. Uh, talked a little bit about how we were looking forward to season 13. going to have Innsmouth Bear, Innsmouth Bear sorry, uh, on the podcast shortly, but uh, this is what Astrodar had to say in terms of looking forward to season 13. I'm hoping for like a nice easy season, you know, Just something let's he's saying he's you know he hinted that he's going to be changing the difficulty up a little bit so i think we're going standard across the board five no, no. <laughs> um there's i don't know I'm, I'm excited to see some of the new heroes uh show up if if we have any new heroes show up let's see i think we're officially through the wave four so and we're through the hood and so i think we're about where we're going to be adding in potentially adding in some of the new stuff from Wave 5 and Sinister Motives era. And I'm excited to see whether it's this season or next, those things start to get added in, because I love those heroes. Then we had a little conversation. You know, I was observing that Hela, which was our uh, round four matchup, um, you know, I think people, people were really noticing that with these longer scenarios that they're a bit of a drag. Uh, in solo champions league because you end up playing them so many times so you know these well-regarded scenarios they they tend to seem like they overstay their welcome a little bit in solo champions league because people are tending to play a lot of practice games and so although they're fun to play once or twice casually when you play them for a lot longer or a lot more times i mean um they do really kind of overstay their welcome so this is what astrodar had to say with regards to that I think that's one of those interesting things of if you look at a lot of the well, like, you know, highly loved scenarios, Kang shows up there, Hela shows up there, and they're all great for standard, like, or for like normal, regular games. But once you hit the league, I think, yeah, because they can really drag on everything that makes them really fun, that kind of story progression is it's hard to speed that up. It's hard to get in reps if you're wanting to do lots of testing in different aspects and so i definitely know like my favorite solo champion leagues games are not don't tend to be these longer ones but they're still good it's just because i love to you know really get down into the nitty-gritty and try lots of small variations on decks and it's much harder to do and that naturally led us to having a discussion a little bit about you know some of the less well-regarded scenarios like risky business 
part of what a lot of us like about solo champions league is really especially especially the tryhards in in my alliance what we like is really fine-tuning our decks playing the scenario over and over again and just kind of getting that deck to just work really well for that specific scenario and so you know something like risky business actually poses an interesting efficiency puzzle that that you're trying to solve and so Risky business, not fun at all in casual, but in solo Champions League, great fun. Hella, Kang, maybe a lot less fun in solo Champions League because of the length of the scenario, but in casual, just really fun scenarios. So this is what Astrodar had to say about that. With risky business specifically, being able to sit there in a regular game and, you know, I can see how that would be boring, but when you're like, not only am I trying to win, but win fast, win clean, it puts pressure, you know, outside the scenario puts pressure on you to actually engage with the scenario more. So yeah, no, I agree. Some of there's some some of the scenarios that definitely gain a boost by being in solo champions league and others that definitely, you know, slide down a bit. Right. And as I mentioned, we're gonna have a season thirteen preview with League Commissioner Insmith Bear. You know, thanks Astrodar for having the great chat with me i wish that our our actual conversations could have could have been been shared but we got to hear your end of of those discussions so just really want to thank everybody for tuning in for having the patience for this slightly weird episode and we'll we'll sign off with with astrodar yeah thanks for having me on it's always fun to come and chat and break things down